You're listening to the most authentic place in sports. It's the Sports Headline Show. Here are your hosts, Sean Davis and Warner Sanker. Welcome back, everybody. Beautiful, beautiful people, as Sean likes to say. Welcome into another episode of the Sports Headline Show. I'm back with myself, Sean Davis, and we are here to break down New York Jets, everybody. You guys are all probably thinking, except for those Jets fans, why are these guys so high? I mean, they made a lot of changes in the offseason, yeah, but it's still the Jets. Why, why are the Jets right here in the mid-20s? Well, you guys are about to find out. Yeah, uh, but yeah, welcome back. As Warner gratefully introduced. Um, so, yeah, this is the number 24 Frank New York football Jets. And I'm going to go with the bold take here. I don't think we've had very many bold takes so far. So I'm just going to give you guys one. The Jets, if they, some of these things pan out, the Jets can be a sneak. Right, specifically Zach Wilson this year. But they could be a sneaky, sneaky playoff team. And like sneak in as a seventh seed in the AFC, and we'll talk about it. They're they, I mean, they are the lowest ranked AFC East team as of now, right? But I mean, we're gonna talk about it. I'm I really like how they've built their roster uh, through the draft and with smart free agency acquisitions. And we talked about it a little bit in the Jaguars episode where you get your quarterback, right? You get your quarterback, and then. You help your quarterback. You make uh, they traded up to get Elijah Vera Tucker, who I loved a lot. Me, Steven, uh, I think Warner, maybe even a little bit. We raved about Elijah Vera Tucker and the, how good of a of a run blocker he is. Even an underrated pass protector. We'll get more into him when we talk about this offensive line. And then um, uh, and then you get Elijah Moore in the second round, which is a steal. So, but we're gonna dive all. Yeah, we're gonna dive into all that, but um, yeah. So let's start off with the uh, key additions and departures, and uh, to say the least, this team has a lot of them, right? I mean, yeah. So and, and I, go ahead. When we say key, it's as of note. So that doesn't mean they're losing good players or or, or good personnel. In this example, uh, they lost Adam Gase. They lost Greg Williams head coach and really play caller and then the defensive coordinator. So they are starting from scratch culture wise and play calling wise and scheme wise on both sides of the ball, which I think is great for them. They lost Sam Darnold. Obviously he's now a Panther, uh, Henry Anderson, defensive end, uh, Jordan Jenkins off the edge. And then their slot corner, Brian Poole. I would say definitely the best player last year for this team that they lost was Brian Poole. Um, and I think Sam Darnold will play very, very well in Carolina this year. We'll sneak peek to that episode. But I think they did the right thing with letting him go and replacing him with Zach Wilson on a Restarting fresh five-year yep. rookie contract. Restart that clock. Um, and and I, I'm sure you'll touch on this later, and I will too. But the way they built this roster in the chronological order of which they built this roster was, was a great, great job. Yeah, and then you look at the key additions – uh, they definitely added more than they lost, if we're being completely honest. This Jet squad was d- even worse than the Jaguars last year. It's just that the Jaguars were openly tanking by sitting um, Gardner Minshew, yeah. right? But you add in Robert Solis, your head coach. 
Mike LaFleur to be your uh, offensive coordinator, bring in that Shanahan scheme. Uh, exactly. most- like the Niners just went to the Super Bowl two years ago. So you're, you're going to at least get some success with those two. Right. The most quarterback friendly um, offense, arguably in NFL history. Uh, he was their passing game coordinator. He's been the passing game coordinator since 2017. So he was the head coach, like, not the head coach. He was the pass game coordinator when they went on the Super Bowl run. Um, obviously, you draft Zach Wilson with your first round pick, your first selection, first round, which is the number two pick. You trade up for Elijah Vera Tucker. You draft Elijah Moore. And then in free agency, you sign Corey Davis. You uh, you sign Carl Lawson. I believe you traded for Morgan Moses. And you bring in Sheldon Rankins as well. And you get C.J. Mosley back from an opt-out last season, I believe. And an injury right? before. Yeah, so you, you're bringing a lot of pieces in. So, I mean, but this – the Jets were one of the winners of the offseason, I think it's quite fair to say. Yeah, um, and, and I, I love how, you know, they, they drafted Mekhi Becton last year, left tackle, played very, very well um, for an alignment in his first year. Um, they've gotten these other pieces, and they have just a young core overall. And then this year they get their quarterback, but they also get two more additions to the offensive line, one of which is a rookie – and Vera Tucker is one of the most versatile offensive linemen that we've seen in this last draft class. And then you get Morgan Moses, who's a solid veteran presence right tackle. So all of a sudden, you've got your left tackle, your right tackle, and one interior lineman. Now, Vera Tucker is probably not going to play center for this team, but he's still on the interior. We've seen guys on the interior like Quentin Nelson play very, very well and be key parts of that offensive line, even if guard is a less important position than, say, center or left tackle. And then they go out and they revamp this defense and, and they get an edge rusher in Carl Lawson. They get um, an interior defensive lineman, a run stuffer in Sheldon Rankins, and they get CJ Mosley back, who's their field general middle linebacker. So yeah, they lost Brian Poole, but they're going to be all right. Oh, and not to mention, they also brought in two receivers for, for um, Zach Wilson to throw the ball to. And in case you didn't notice, hiring Mike LaFleur, is going to bring in that LaFleur, Shanahan, McVeigh scheme. And guess who fits that scheme almost to the team? Elijah Moore. Case closed. Oh, my gosh. Phenomenal job of building this roster. Elijah Moore is just like a little bit shorter of a Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk. He plays fast. He plays physical. You get him in space. He makes the plays after uh, after the catch. He is that Shanahan receiver that so many teams could need since so many teams are using this scheme because it works. So the Jets, I think, did a phenomenal job of building their organization this year, and it really starts from who they brought in, not who they lost. Yeah. Um, so let's look at strengths and weaknesses here and really quickly want to touch on Elijah Moore. If it wasn't the Saints, I thought it was the Saints that would have been a perfect fit because of how Sean Payne could have schemed him up in, this, in his offense. Or one of these LaFleur Shanahan schemes, like a Green Bay. I think I'm mocking the Green Bay a couple times. Uh, or a Jets. And this is just perfect here. Um, so let's look at strengths and weaknesses here. Let's start with the weakness. I think a legitimate weakness and the biggest question mark is this secondary. We'll talk about a little bit more, right? You do have Marcus May. Your safety group is actually pretty solid, right? But when you look at cornerback, there are significant question marks. 
And while it'd be very unlikely that the Dolphins would trade Xavier Howard in a division, you you got to do something. Because the way this secondary, especially the cornerback room, where Bryce Hall is probably your number one corner, and God forbid somebody get hurt, right? You, you're, this secondary is really, especially a cornerback, really, really struggling. Um, your safety group is fine. You do have Marcus May, and you, you have Ashton Davis, uh, LaMarcus Joyner, right? Ashton Davis might might line up at corner too. Well, it's been it's been since two thousand three we've seen a white corner starting in the AFL. Just saying. Yeah. So it's it's been a while. Ash, Ash, just be ready for Ashton Davis to line up at corner more than a few times this year. But uh, I, I think another weakness on this team is the running back room, um, at least the running game. Tevin Coleman is the really big notable um, name at the front, but I don't even know if he'll be starting. Um, most of the time we saw the last time Coleman played, really the last two times he was behind Devonta Freeman with Kyle Shanahan uh, in Atlanta. And then he was sort of a part of a three, three running back personnel with Mostert and, and Matt Breida. And then Mostert really took over that job in the Super Bowl run with Kyle Shanahan and San Francisco. So he's with Mike LaFleur now in New York, who is very, very familiar with Tevin Coleman. I think he will be a focal point of this running game. And I think it will be successful just based off of the scheme and how it gets running backs to the edge. And, and with Coleman's skill set, he is able to get through to and then through the edge. But um, behind him, you've got Ty Johnson, Austin Walter, Josh Adams, well, Michael P. Ryan and, and Michael Carter, uh, who was a fourth round draft pick this season. And, and none of those guys really moved the needle. We saw some, some pretty good things from, say, a, a Ty Johnson or a Josh Adams last year, but I don't know if they're ready to take that next step. And um, one thing that is for sure to settle in a rookie quarterback is a solid running game, and, and I don't know if the Jets will have that this year. Yeah, um, I think, you know, another weakness could be, like, how young this offense is. This offense is really, really young. But that may also be a strength in a way as well, right? So, you know, kind of a blessing disguise. I think there's a little bit more strengths, and we can just run through these quickly. We'll probably touch on them a little bit more when we go position by position. Uh, you have your future at quarterback. Um, you have that. This run defense and this D-line is monstrous, right? Yeah. Robert Sala is a great defensive coach. And um, also... Uh, the future of this O-line, right? Yeah. The Jets have had a consistently a pretty bad offensive line, right? But they've gotten younger, especially on the left side of the offensive line, right? And they've added veteran pieces as well that, you know, should they stay healthy, this offensive line should be a really, really good one this season. So, one, do you have anything else to add for strengths? If not, we can uh, get to the I think, position. I think the receiving group, too. Um, I, I think you've got Corey Davis, obviously. You brought him in. You drafted um, – Old Miss, Elijah Moore. There we go. I wanted to say something else more, um, but you got you got Elijah Moore from from Old Miss, but you also have Jamison Crowder as well. So you've got a lot of weapons from the slot. You have Denzel Mims who drafted last year, and and you've got behind him. You know you got Keelan Cole. Um, you've got capable receivers who are in the five, six, seven, eight range in your receiver room. Um, the tight ends aren't great, Chris Herndon, Tyler Croft, but those guys are going to be capable enough, especially with being schemed open in this, again, Shanahan offense. And it's, if it sounds like we're giving a lot of a benefit to, of the doubt to the, the Jets offense, 
because of this Shanahan scheme. I think it's that good of a scheme that, um, and, and that's the reason why you see nine or 10 NFL teams running it right now. It's a good third of the league that's running this scheme because of its effectiveness in developing guys, getting guys open and creating offense yards, big plays scoring. And uh, I think that's key. And then, um, probably the best receiving back is likely going to be a Michael Carter uh, out of North Carolina um, behind, but you've also got, again, a Tevin Coleman um, or a, a Ty Johnson as well. So I think this receiving group, while not really many big names is going to be a solid group uh, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on and discuss Position by position breakdown, let's go on to this quarterback room where headlined by Zach Wilson, and ironically, no quarterback in this quarterback room has ever taken a snap from a quarterback. Um, Which could be a slight concern, but I think I think they can work through it. So, but anyway, Zach Wilson, this quarterback room, will rank 21st in the league. Uh, there is slight concerns or whatever because Zach Wilson has not – uh, signed his contract yet, and training camp has begun. But, you know, there is still a lot high expectations that Zach Wilson, the Jets, woke up to a degree amount of contract, and he will be the starting quarterback uh, come week one. Um, he's probably the only capable starter on this roster anyway. So, yeah. I'm looking be, for James Morgan or Mike White to, to do any damage. Yeah, yeah so it, it'd be in the Jets' best interest to uh, just put pen to paper and, uh, you know, have Zach even I mean I don't want to say even if he hasn't like done anything in training camp or whatever but gosh like just throw him out there (laughs) um but yeah he does rank 21st he is uh no really dynamic he had one of those Kyler Murray Joe Burrow type of breakout almost out of nowhere seasons where you know they it catapulted them to being an extremely hot first round draft pick uh, Burrow probably was going to be like a six-round pick, maybe if he got drafted even before that illustrious, uh, undefeated setting record. college. Yeah. yeah, and then Kyler just wasn't as thought of as as much until he had the ridiculous year he had at Oklahoma as well. So, um, you know, one thing about Zach Wilson, I kind of compared him. I said if Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield had a baby. That's kind of who Zach Zach Wilson was to me anyway. You know, you have you have some of the pocket sets, you have the mobility, you have the the arm talent, but you have the especially young Josh Allen, the epic balls where you're just gonna throw it and like screw your mechanics. I have a rocket arm, right? Epic. I was gonna launch this thing. Right, back foot, just sling this thing, right? And you have some questionable decision making at times as well, similar like a Josh, a younger Josh Allen, right? But again, I think a little bit more towards Baker Mayfield in my opinion than Josh Allen. If you get Baker Mayfield, you look at a top ten-ish quarterback, which is definitely um, good enough to win you a Super Bowl. Um, so yeah, I, I like Zach Browns Wilson. Are hmm. Yeah, so the Browns are open. The Browns are open. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely love Zach Wilson a lot. Um, I thought some of the hate he got was kind of un... I mean, like, because if you say level of competition, which I thought was the most BS argument out there, right? Trey Lance is not a first-round quarterback. 
He freaking played to the FCS. Yeah. Like North, like Carson West is not the number one overall pick. So level of competition is is BS. Right. If you look, if you look at, say you're you're uh, Justin Fields or a uh, Tua or, or Trevor Lawrence, and you're playing teams like Ohio State and and Clemson and Alabama, uh, especially come playoff time. Yeah, your receivers are better. Yeah, the receiver, the defenses are better, but your receivers are also better. So you're going to see about the same amount of separation as a, a Zach Wilson who is throwing to his receivers at BYU against the opponents like Coastal Carolina was probably the best team they faced um, rather than uh, playing against Patrick Sertan or uh, um, yeah, CJ Henderson um, type of guy. Eric Stokes. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, dang it, what's his name? I, I forget yeah. his name. What? Devo Kuda from Ohio State. I was, no, I was going to say the uh, – the Ohio State corner that only gets burned but got drafted. I forget his Sean name. Sean Wade? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, him, yeah. Oh, my goodness, Sean Wade. Yeah, he had a lot of first-round hype. He did not help himself out in his last season. He did not yeah. help himself out. He, he had legit first-round hype coming into the year, but, I mean, uh, you're playing with Jeff Okuda and you're playing in the slot. So, yeah, just right? Bad, but. So, uh, but, yeah, so I thought the uh, – Level of competition was kind of BS because um, again, Trey Lance is not a first-star quarterback. Is yeah, yeah, he's just not. So uh, I like Zach Wilson. You can make an argument. I'm fine if you say he's QB three, right? But I think you're insulting him if you say level of competition. So I mean, because he does have problems. Like, I think all these quarterbacks are flawed quarterbacks to a certain degree. You got to take it based on the talent evalu- evaluation, not just the. Oh, uh, how many wins did he get? Who did he play against? And um, and uh, what do, what do the players say? This the his leadership skills are or whatever. Because then you just sound like the college football playoff committee, and you know how many times they get things wrong. Notre Dame should not have been in. Notre Dame had no business being in the playoffs, but they have no business being in it every year. They have no business being in it uh, every year, honestly. So I would agree. Um, but going on to running backs, um, Tevin Coleman, of course. I mentioned Ty Johnson, Josh Adams, but uh, I think Michael Carter is somebody to watch here um, out of out of North Carolina. Sean, I, I think you know he wasn't the number one back, but he is certainly a capable back coming from uh, North Carolina. And I'm blanking on his teammate's name. Javante Williams. Javante Williams, who went in the second round. Um, but, you know, I, I think both of them are very capable backs. We were both pretty high on them coming out. And um, I, I think look for him to to play well, especially since Tevin Coleman has injury concerns. And uh, uh, so Michael Carter might be seeing a majority of the snaps if Coleman goes down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they rank 29th. For this running back room, it's pretty bad. I'd be like, Tevin Coleman is your number one, number one running back. That's a problem, right? Uh, he's never been that guy who can carry the load. Yeah, he's just, he's just, he's not that guy, man. You're not that guy, pal. But um, I mean, running back, lucky for them, doesn't have an, uh, a massive impact on your team's grade. So we're gonna spend just as much time as they invested on this running back room and move on to this wide receiver room. And this is a big reason why they they only rank ninth, no, they only rank twentieth, right? 
But a lot of room for upside here. A lot of room for upside. There are a lot of dang good receiver rooms in the NFL, right? I mean, you you do, you brought in Corey Davis, who's going to have an impact playing in it. He's very familiar with the scheme that they're going to run this season, coming from Arthur Smith in Tennessee. Um, there's going to be some different variations uh, with how Micah Flores get to call it. Obviously, we'll I mean, talk about. Of course, be more true to the scheme than Smith was, but Smith was still running the scheme. He just tweaked it a little bit because again, he had. Derek freaking Henry as a running back. And right, you have Derek Henry as your running back. So as obviously to an Aaron Jones or a Raheem Mostert or, or whoever you want to throw out there. But uh, Right. Um, so, but we'll talk about a little bit more about Michael Floor a little bit later on. You have Jamison Crowder. I'm curious, uh, what what's Crowder's contract situation? Because I think Elijah Moore is like the replacement. Yeah, they're not both going to play. I think they're both running at 5'8", pretty small guys. Um Give me one second. I'll look up Crowder's contract. Well, yeah, anyway, um, you know, get the deck thing. Okay, I have it. So Crowder, Crowder is on his last year of his contract. Um, he is definitely a capable receiver to have, right? But Elijah Moore, you can just, he is so perfect for this scheme. But again, you touched on earlier, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, um, Crowd, try to think of some of these other schemes. Uh, not what? Just fast and physical, man. That's what yeah. You're yeah. In the slot, you can scheme open touches. Uh, you, he'll be great on like crossing routes out of the slot. And he's he is he has some of the best hands in his draft class. He can go up for those contested catches. You he played. He played in the SEC, so whatever the competition, he played against. So granted, he was more of a slot receiver. But you could say, well, he played against Georgia and Alabama. So I I think the level of competition certainly helps with receivers and DBs, but not necessarily for quarterbacks because they get both the the poor receivers and the poor DBs. Yeah, so, you know, um, I think he'll be great. He's a really good route runner out of the slot. And And also, we've seen Jamison Crowder miss time significantly, uh, like miss back-to-back-to-back weeks. So I think Moore's going to get his his share of his chances, and I think he'll play very, very well. Yeah, and then you also have Denzel Mims. If he could show you anything this year, uh, going to next year, you're going to have one of the elite receiving groups already, yeah. actually. Because, I mean, if Denzel Mims can be, like, just a, a really either a low-end number one by the end of the year or even, like, a, a high number two where you add Elijah Moore. Just with a big this, play threat, really. With this scheme, you you have a borderline top 10 receiving room. You would only really miss a legit number one. But look at San Fran. They don't have a legit number one. Uh, even look at the Rams, honestly. They don't have a legit number one receiver, right? I don't know. But, Cooper Cup is pretty dang good. You would say he's a low-end number one, but... Right, 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 right. But, like, a legit certified middle to high-tier number one receiver. like... Yeah, right. That neither of those teams have it, but you don't need that when you're in this scheme. You just need a playmaker and you need guys that can create and, and get open on the outside. And you know, if Denzel Mims provides anything this year, you're gonna be looking at a top fifteen, a top ten ish wide receiver room going to next season. Yeah, and, and you could say, Oh well, but the, the Niners have George Kittle. Well, first of all, that doesn't solve the Rams still not having they they've got 
Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, who's a really, really high-end number two receiver, and that's all they really, really need. That Higby had a big year for him last year in terms of the touchdowns. Um, but, you know, it helps to have that number one guy, but this scheme makes it so easy to make plays, make create big plays, and score the ball with such frequency that you without those number one guys, that's why a lot of teams are going here to where they don't need to spend high-end draft picks on getting that next Calvin Johnson at receiver or the uh, the next um, Barry Sanders at running back. But they, they just need their quarterback, a physical offensive line, and speed. And there is plenty of speed in, in college football to where you can address that in the later rounds. Then you just got to worry about defense and, uh, and, and quarterback and line play. Yeah. So – and then you look at tight end, Chris Herndon is definitely uh, a solid, capable uh, tight end who probably will play a little bit better than expected, again, because of the scheme. Same with maybe even a Tyler Croft. But uh, Michael Carter is probably going to be the best receiver back, as you mentioned earlier. Um, Tevin Coleman will contribute, but you just don't know how his availability will match up. And uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much it for this receiving room that is going to rank 20th in the league. This is a really, really solid receiving core. That's going to play. It's probably going to outrank 20th again because of this scheme and whatever. So uh, anything else before we move on to offensive line? Yeah, no, I think I think this receive, these receivers will be very, very well. I wouldn't look for eye-popping numbers necessarily out of them, but I look for their top four or five guys to have around seven or 800 yards receiving. Yeah, so... Let's move on to this uh, offensive line group, which actually comes in 16th, a much improved offensive line. Uh, Makai Becton, boy, was he good last year. He doesn't get a lot of the credit and praise than a Jedrick Wills or Tristan Wirfs did. Because I mean, a terrible team, though. Yeah, they are on a tears out terrible team. We were looking at the Jets last year. Right. But I would actually give a, an argument, as much as I love Jedrick Wills, when Kai Beckton might have been a better left tackle last season than Jedrick Wills. I think Jedrick Wills, as good as he was, he benefited from playing on that elite offensive line with this uh with the scheme that we keep raving about as well. Right? When Kai Beckton was, you know, kinda kinda stranded in a not really offensive line friendly scheme and playing I mean with with, with trash basically as his head coach and you know, Sam Darnold not performing well, right? So, I mean, yeah, you do draft Elijah Vera Tucker, who I've raved about all year long. Um, Connor McGovern is kind of an underrated center who doesn't get a lot of the credit that he possibly deserves. Greg Van Ruden is a solid right guard as well. And then Morgan Moses, you trade for him. Uh, there are uh, reports saying that... Uh, you know, George Font and Morgan Moses, they will compete. Robert Saylor says Morgan Moses and George Fan will compete for the Jets starting right tackle job or whatever, right? Um, so competition there, though. If we're being completely honest, I think I think Moses will get that pretty handily. He should anyway. But you have you have pretty good O line depth, and I mean, you know, you do have George Font in case an injury does happen. Um, and you have some of these guys on the offensive line where a lot of teams can't really say, hey, you know, if an injury happens, we're fine necessarily, right? Not very many teams. I wouldn't teams say they're can- fine, but they're still, I mean, they'll be able to function. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. Yeah, so. 
I, I think I like we like we like this offensive line a lot. Um, they should be a really sound run blocking team, especially. That's Elijah Vera Tucker Strange, but Kai Beckton is a pretty solid. I think he's just a really solid all around tackle. And then uh, I, I think this will be, especially we add in the scheme and stuff. This offensive line should be more than capable of sixteen for this offense. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, they've they've got a nice line. Um, we mentioned Vera Tucker Beckton and Moses already, but Van Rooten and, and Connor McGovern can hold it down in their spots at the right guard and center, respectively. And, and I think when you have that solid of an overall interior line, you don't really need to have that elite, elite center to maybe pick up for uh, some less, like some subpar guard play because it levels out when you have all three of those guys being solid to, in Vera Tucker's case, potentially really good and even great um, players there on that line. Yeah. So uh, this offensive line is going to rank 16th. Um, and let's move on to this offensive coaching grade that I do want to touch on just a little bit here where they are going to rank 20th in the league with Michael Flair, uh, as Stephen A would disrespectfully say, but Michael Floor. Um, one thing, I think there is a small question mark when you bring in like all these teams or whatever, who's implementing the Shanahan, uh, McVay scheme or whatever, right? And that is, you know, how are you going to, like, separate yourself? What makes what makes your variation, you might say, kind of special or different, right? So, like, you look at uh, Arthur Smith, right? Not only does he have, you know, um, Derek, he not only did he have freaking Derek Henry as his running back, right? But he was creative in his play calling in the sense that he would, he knew how to design the offense and knew that, hey, it's the Shanahan scheme, we're going to go with that, or the LaFleur scheme, or whatever, right? Because he, he was with my uh, Matt LaFleur, I'm sorry. Um, but he actually, he was a great all-around play caller, right? Play caller of the game, right? And knowing when to make adjustments, like, okay, this isn't necessarily working to the way we want it to right now. Okay, let's go from the gun a little bit here. Let's, let's get some quick hitting passing game going here, all right? Let's, you know, and like knowing, let, let, let's get some creative, so let's get some jet sweeps, let's get some end arounds, let's get some, I mean, just being creative, right? Kevin Stefanski, he did it in Minnesota, he kind of showed how creative he can be in Cleveland. Kyle Shanahan's Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay just need a dang quarterback, right? Right, right, Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's Kyle Shanahan. I Mike Shanahan, but still. Yeah, um, Sean McVay just needed a dang quarterback, which he has now, Right. And so basically, my my point and Matt, and Mike and Matt Lafleur has the has freaking Aaron Rodgers right and and, my, and Matt Lafleur right it's official and Matt Lafleur is is a really good play caller as well in in his own right as well right so I'm just I'm looking forward to like Kyle Michael Lafleur I I trust he's gonna be able to design the offense coming from Kyle Shanahan his brother's Matt Lafleur I trust to be able to design the offense. I'm just curious how he's actually going to work as a play caller and how he's going to, you know, adjust to the defense, basically. And, and one concern you always have, especially for an offensive unit, is when you bring in so many new pieces yeah. and players and a new culture, you've got a lot to change. So they're, they're going to start off the season pretty sluggish, I think. They're going to yeah. get beat, and they, they're probably going to get beat bad. You, you might see a, a subpar Zach Wilson turning the ball over, not being able to get the ball moving. But I think you're also going to see some really exciting big plays. 
some some receivers that just break three or four tackles and take it 65 yards um, down down to the goal line. Are you going to see Zach Wilson roll out or extend a play and throw an absolute bomb to a Denzel Mims or a Corey Davis? I think you're going to see those, and I think those will get more and more frequent in the turnovers and the poor play is going to get less and less frequent as the season goes on. Look for about a week four, five, six uh, for that switch to really start happening. Um, they have a bye. Their bye week is, I believe, week six. Um, yeah, week six is their bye week. So coming out of the bye, I think they're going to be a completely different team. And they're going to be tested going into New England for a divisional rivalry game against a really, really solid defense um, to see if that can really, really click. Yeah. Um, so offensively, they're going to rank 19th. Coach and culture for our offensive coach here, but they're going to rank 20th. I think there's a fair level of optimism for sure, but there's also you have to be, you have to reel it back in a little bit and have a fair sense of question marks that, that do preside on this offensive side of the ball. So let's move on to this defense here, and let's start off with this run defense. My God, uh, this run defense is number one in the league. And when you look at it, you might not understand why, right? But you might say, well, Washington, Tampa, maybe even Indy, New England, maybe Chicago, right? We touched on Chicago already, but... Man, oh man, this defense, no matter who's been there the past couple years, they have been one of the best run defenses in the league, right? You add in a much better defensive play caller in uh, in Robert Sala. And, I mean, you, the added pieces, this is the best run defense in the league. And it's going to be, you're going to have a tough time if they're healthy running the ball on this team. Yeah, for sure. Um, it starts from the inside out, right? Inside, you've got Quinn Williams. Uh, you've got, let me see if I can get his first name right. Yeah, you better not. Yeah, if you botch it, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna slander you so hard. Fuleronzo Fadukasi. Um, that's better than I would have said. Yep, that, that I believe that's correct. So, um, you're welcome. Good I job. Uh, you've got you've got Sheldon Rankins behind him, but Fadukasi and Quinn Williams are are absolute studs in their own right. Specifically, Fadukasi. Uh, he is a great great player against the run. And first and second down, they're gonna have a tough time getting holes open down the middle. And then you also have CJ Mosley coming back in a middle linebacker who is a run stuffer. He showed it at Alabama. He showed it in Baltimore. And now hopefully staying healthy here with the Jets will be a guy who is dominant in the run game, a sideline to sideline defender coming from the middle linebacker spot. And then on the edge, we've talked about how Carl Lawson isn't the greatest run defender and why he might be rotated in on a second and long or a third down play. But Behind him, you've got capable guys. You've got John Franklin Myers, who is a is a solid run defense uh, run defender from the edge. You've also got <clears throat> um, you've also got um, I'm sorry, I'm I'm blanking on his name. Wait, are we talking about interior shoulder rankings? No, no, no. Um, let me pull up the roster. Anyway, I'm just going to continue on. Cal Phillips is a more than capable uh, run defender off the edge. Carl Lawson, you, yeah, he, he's one of the specialist edge rusher, pass rush presence uh, on third downs or whatever. Um, and then you have C.J. Mosley as, as your stuffing, you know, just all around linebacker who's really going to contribute 
So, I mean, and the rest of your linebackers are fine. I guess Rod Davis should help in the run defense. He's not great necessarily, though. Um, if an injury does help happen or you need some uh, depth or whatever, uh, Sheldon Rankins should definitely be able to, you know, help clog the lanes and, you know, uh, help this uh, run defense out for sure, right? Um, Ronald Blair. That's what I was thinking of. Ronald Blair, uh, a solid run defender in his own right, can and can rotate in uh, for Kyle Lawson on those first and second downs. Yeah, so um, absolutely. And again, like this might not seem like the flashiest run defense you, you'll see. Trust me, just wait till we get to Washington, right? But um, they're going to be well-coached, well-fundamentally sound. And again, they've been one of the best run defenses with Greg Williams as the defensive coordinator. So you're going to be just fine, if not better, with Robert Sala as their head coach and defensive play caller going into the season. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. This is going to be a tough team to run on. Uh, which will Especially be, on the earlier downs. Yeah, yeah, which, which will be unfortunate for teams like the Dolphins, who look like they may need to rely on the running game um, with, with good old Tua there at, at quarterback. But They don't even have a great running game, so yeah. So that's <laughs> on the pass rush. Yeah, so I, this pass rush looks really, really good as well. Uh, yeah. Really, really good pass rushers throughout the board. Carl Lawson, of course. Uh, we touched on him. We did a film breakdown on him. Just a, a stud. He's speed to power. He's going to run past you, blow you back. But you also have Quentin Williams from the inside. Sheldon Rankins as well, uh, who's going to take, who's going to come in and be that second interior pass rusher uh, in place of Fadakasi on, on uh, passing downs. And then John Franklin Myers from the other side. So I, I think you've got a really well-rounded, uh, deep pass rush. Um, and, and I think you should be looking forward um, to to your line play here if you're the, if you're a Jets fan. Yeah, and while this might seem low as a ranking of 21st in the league, right, they are pro- most definitely probably going to outrank this spot here. Carl Lawson, the only problem really is, I mean, he's just a specialist really, and I'm not sure he's a true number one pass rusher, but he's a dang good pass rusher. Don't get me wrong. He we again we did a film breakdown on him already. Just go check that out. Uh, but yeah, he is a really good uh pass rusher. And uh they, they should definitely probably outrank this spot. I would have liked granted, I don't know how I mean like that definitely probably you just snuck in there. Definitely probably they should have hundred percent, maybe fifty five percent outrank this. <laughs> definitely, maybe fifty fifty, seventy, seventy thirty. Uh, no. They're gonna get three sacks all year. It's, 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 Right, but all seriousness, I don't know how they would have been able to do it because of how they, you know, did their draft or whatever. I would have liked to see them potentially squeeze in uh, a a pass rusher in this draft class. But again, with the trade-up and stuff, I get it. You want to prioritize giving Zach Wilson as much help as possible, right? But in a deep, I mean, I'm going into next season, not going all defense, but I would probably considerably go – heavy defense i i think so, uh, uh offensive pieces this year i think you uh you really supplement especially the secondary and then uh maybe a first round pass rusher uh we usually see we usually see pass rushers go pretty high up in the first round so yeah so uh you might think it's a little low but they're gonna rank 21st for this pass rush group but let's move on to this linebacker group which is where are our linebackers at? Oh, okay, there they are. They're also gonna rank twenty first. Yay! Uh, 
I think it's more so real. Yeah, just consistent all around. I think it's really also partially because we just haven't seen CJ Mosley in a little while. Like, it's been almost two years now, right? So you don't know how, you know, how, how well in shape he is. And then, like, behind him, you don't have great, like, linebackers. Blake Cashman is, is a fine yeah, linebacker. He's, fine. he's a fine LB2, I guess. Gerard Davis, he's fine LB3. Um, but, like, if, if something happens to CJ Mosley has to miss a game, then this is one of the worst linebacker groups in the yeah, league. I would agree. I would agree. So, uh, I, I mean, the, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't even feel like there's much to talk about here. But CJ Mosley, again, he's healthy. And, like, back to CJ Mosley, we've seen and we're accustomed to, then uh, they should definitely outrank this spot as well. So there's, a, there's just a lot of question marks on this defense. I feel like that's the gist of what we're getting. So there's a lot of question marks, and there's no bigger question mark than this secondary, which we've touched on already. Um, man. Let's Yikes. Just, I mean, when you have to go over to Baltimore to get your quarterback three or four, to play, it's it's tough. I mean, Lamar Jackson is a quarterback, not a not a, not a corner. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, no. But uh, in all seriousness, you got Bryce Hall there at, at CV one. Uh, bless Juan Austin, um, gonna come in on the outside as well, and then uh, Javelin, Javelin, Gertie. I'm gonna say, Javelin Gertie, um, is is gonna be your slot guy. Um, but the but the safety room is really where you 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 like what you've got. You've got Marcus May again. Ashton Davis um, is probably gonna be fighting for that safety two and that also that cornerback two spot. And then Lamarcus Joyner there uh, as well, more than capable safety in his own right. So not well. I, I guess they have really good depth, but not much up like star talent starting um, potential there. They they you you could argue that Bless Juan Austin. Lamar Jackson, Michael Carter, um, I mean, just scrolling down the list quite literally. Um, J- uh, Bennett Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Corey Valentine, Zane Lewis, Justin Hardy, Isaiah Dunn, Brandon Eccles, and Jason Pinnock are all good depth, <laughs> but not really what you want to rely on if, uh, if you know, to start, but also if, say, um, Bryce Hall, number one cornerback, Bryce Hall, uh, goes down. So, you know, again, question marks. You, you'd like to see them address this corner room. Um, now, Sean Menson, a trade for Zayvon Howard, who does not want to be in Miami. Unlikely. Very unlikely because uh, it's interdivision. Um, yeah, because it's interdivision. But also, I'm, sen- I'm sending. Let's give up for a guy, Zayvon Howard's caliber. Fair. That's the key there. They, they don't – if they want to really have Zach Wilson thrive, they don't really have much on the defense to give up um, that they haven't recently got, you know. Yeah. So, so again, just, just not great, especially at the at, at quarterback, which Warner very elegantly and uh, thoroughly brought up but the safety room is actually really really good one of the better safety rooms in the league i would argue right but you're just not satisfied at all about this secondary so um you know i'd say corners are more valuable than than safeties are but yeah just they they, they have much more of an impact play to play than than a safety now an elite safety versus a number two corner 
probably take that elite safety. But if I had a, a middle of the pack number one corner or Harrison Smith, I might have to take that corner. You know, it's yeah. You'd, you'd, you'd rather have a guy who can take a player off of the football field rather than just run around and hope the quarterback throws in your direction. Yeah. So this uh, defense is actually going to tie twentieth in the league. They tie with uh, a certain team. The, you'll wait. Actually, where is the team where they tie at? How? Uh, it's gonna be a little while. Not not too too long. It's in the future, but it's gonna be a little while. Um, but they tie twentieth. And actually, I, I know that sounds a little high considering how much. Yo, I think it's fair to say skeptical we've been about this defense, it's but. They are they they have they're gonna be one of the best coached and performing lines in football this year. Speaking of coach, when you rank twelfth in defensive coaching with Robert Sala, that helps a lot. And people forget before they were the 49 IRs, Robert Sala was the defensive coordinator of the best defense of the league yeah. just two years just two seasons ago when they weren't the 49 IRs, right? Robert Sala's a dang good head coach. Uh, dang good defensive play caller. I think it's up in the air, like how good of a head coach he is as of right now, right? I, I, I do have faith that, you know, Salah is, excuse me, going to be a really, really solid head coach. Um, But, you know, it, it's it's a little up in the air right now, right? It's they're always gonna a rush. mark with the rookie head coach, always. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be running a little bit of a modification of the, of the Seattle cover three defense, uh, that's somewhat similar to what they're going to run. And before the whole Richard Sherman stuff happened, I was pressing hard for the Jets' need to sign Richard Sherman. Um, but, I mean, you, you don't know what's going to happen with that situation. Um, so, you know, it is what it is, man. So let's uh, – we already covered straight the weaknesses. So let's look at this schedule. Let's not forget anything and get you guys out of here, right? Nope. Uh, week one, they've got a road game at Carolina. Then they host the Patriots – go on the road to Denver, host uh, the Titans on the road at Atlanta in London, um, and then they have a bye. Uh, coming out of that bye week, they're at New England, at home against Cincinnati, at Indianapolis, and they host Buffalo and Miami back-to-back. They go on the road to Houston, host Philadelphia, host New Orleans, on the road at Miami, host Jacksonville, host Tampa Bay, and then on the road at Buffalo to wrap up their schedule uh, over under right now is at six wins um, for this Jets team, and, and they got a pretty tough schedule just based off of what division they're in. Yeah. You've got the Bills, who are going to be a, a, a really, really good team. You've got the Patriots, who project to be a solid um, lower tier wild card team. The Dolphins just made the playoffs last year. They're going to play good defense. They, mi- they missed the playoffs, but I mean, in, yeah, in a regular year. Just in a reg- outside of the playoffs last year. Yeah. But they're going to have a solid defense, and they're going to be well-coached. Well, I mean, Xavier Howard. <laughs> they're still going to be well-coached by four Yeah, 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 yeah. All, all of these teams in this division are going to be tough wins if they're going to win this game. And so, for that reason, I see them going 3-3 three and three in their division. Okay. I think they'll beat each team, but I think they're also going to lose to each team. Um, and they might get swept by the Bills, but... Yeah, so... At Carolina, that's going to be a fun game, actually. I would not be surprised. I'm actually going to – my guts. revenge game? Sam no, Does he go, go 350 and four touchdowns? I'm going to go with my gut here. I, I think the Jets' line play will be good enough. Carolina's offensive line is a big question mark. I think 
the Jets will get to Sam just enough. I think Christian McCaffrey, he'll be effective, but he won't go off and go freaking bananas. In the passing game, for sure. Yeah, so I, I think the Jets will squeak that one off. New England at home, I think they'll probably split it. So I think I give them the home win at Denver. Uh, D, ooh, three and zero maybe. I, it depends which Drew Lock you get. So or, or Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I think if they face Bridgewater, Denver might take this one out. Again, with the Jets, it's early spe- early season, especially. How do they cohese? How good is Zach Wilson? How good is Mike LaFleur? You've got so many variables that it's really tough to project. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna go with it. Three and zero. You beat Denver. You're gonna lose to Tennessee. Three and one. In London against Atlanta. They're gonna win that game against Atlanta's poor defense. They're gonna win okay. that game. Four and one, maybe. Uh, and that's that's probably yeah that that's probably that's significant. Best case. Yeah, that's best case. Um, after the bye, although, although I do say I think there is a world where they beat Tennessee because what's Tennessee's strength on offense at least? Their running game. What's the Jets' strength? Their number one run defense. Yeah. And their pass rush. Fair. Yeah. With Arthur Smith being gone, yes, we've seen them replace Matt Lafleur with Arthur Smith and, and, and just as effective, but there's still going to be a question mark there on the offensive play calling side of the ball uh, for Tennessee. So I think there is a world where they realistically start five and zero, but I think there's also a world where they start one and four. Yeah. Um, So I'm at four and two right now, Cincinnati at home. I'm going to go the jets only because of similar reasoning to that Carolina win. Cause you can definitely, because you could definitely say Carolina would beat the Jets, and I would be fine with that. But line play, Burrow's going to be in for a rough day. And, and even if not Burrow's going to be in for a rough day, Mixon's going to struggle against this run defense behind a terrible offensive and, and line. He, Burrow might not get sacked six or seven times, but he's going to be feeling the pressure. He's going to have to get the ball out quick. They're not going to have time to set up big plays. And, you know, with Zach the Snack Taylor there calling plays, that's always that's always a cause for concern. So five and two, this is definitely probably best case scenario. I think you'll lose to Indy five and three. You'll lose sure. to Buffalo five and four. They can beat Miami at home. So I'll go six and four. Uh at Houston. Win. Wow. Seven and four. Uh win. Trap actually I'm gonna go Philly. I think Philly can pull this one out. Trap at, game. Mm. Trap game. So seven and five. New Orleans, seven to six. Miami. At my, I I can de- they're seven to seven out of them right now. I think they could definitely. I think they're seven to six. They're seven to six. They're seven to six. My bad. Uh, cause eight to six, six. Yeah, they're 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 seven to six right now. Um, at Miami, I think they could definitely sweep Miami. Um, this is that de- like you mentioned. This is definitely big for their playoff hopes. If you would have given them that win against Philly. And if they beat Miami, then they could sneak in as a playoff. On the road. Fall just short. Because they've yeah, got on, Tampa and Buffalo to finish. To the end the year. They, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, at Miami, I'm going to give them the loss. You beat Jacksonville, you're 8-7 and seven now. And they're going to end, you're, no matter what, unless Buffalo oh, wait, plays nine. a JV roster, you're going to play. You uh, still saw Buffalo smack around Miami with their JV roster, so. So I think you're gonna go eight and nine. Best case scenario is probably ten wins. Um, like 
if you add on that Philly win, you add on that Miami win, uh, I had you guys lose to Cincy. No, I had you guys beating Cincy. Beat my Cincy. bad, my bad. Really, that's the only that's the only wins you got to add on. So yeah, so best case is probably ten wins. The absolute floor for this team. Yikes. I'm oh, going to go over the floor right now. I'm going to go over okay, the go best ahead. case scenario and the worst case scenario. So, okay, go ahead. Um, starting off on worst case scenario, since Sean just painted a pretty pretty picture uh, for Jets fans, lose to Carolina, lose to New England, lose to Denver, lose to Tennessee, beat Atlanta. So you're starting off one and four. It's Coming opposed to four and one. Coming off the bye week, you're at New England. They're going to lose that game. That's one and five. You play Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati wins that. You're one and six, one and seven after Indiana, uh, Indianapolis, one and eight after Buffalo. I think you beat Miami at home. You're two and eight. Beat Houston, three and eight. Beat Philly, four and eight. But then you lose to New Orleans. You're four and nine. You're at Miami. You split with Miami, so you go four and ten. Uh, you beat Jacksonville. That's five and ten. Although I think that's a close one. That'll that could go either way. And then you beat you lose to uh, Tampa and Buffalo. So. I think the floor is five wins, and it's uh, filled with big losing streaks in there as well. As, again, they do not have an easy schedule by any stretch. But their ceiling, on the other hand, you would beat Carolina, you'd beat New England, you'd beat Denver, beat Tennessee, and beat Atlanta. You start 5-0. and oh. I didn't have that happen, by the way. I'm just saying best case. I, know. Yeah, five yeah, and yeah. Oh. I think you, you'll inevitably lose on the road in New England. Uh, but then you beat Cincinnati, you lose to Indianapolis, so you're 6-2. and two. Six and three after you play. Actually, no, you know, seven and two after you play Buffalo at home. See if they can squeak out that home win. Again, best case scenario, you're seven and two. You beat Miami at home, eight and two. You beat Houston. You beat Philly. You're ten and two, one of the best teams in the league. Ten and two, again, one of the best teams in the league. You beat New Orleans because they're a question mark there. Eleven and two. Oh my God! The Jets going to the Super Bowl. Beat Jacksonville, you're 13 and two. Then you lose to Tampa Bay and Buffalo, 13 and four. I think their ceiling is 13 wins and being a playoff team. Just the Super Again, Bowl. Ceiling. Oh my God. <laughs> That's hilarious. But I, anyway. I, but but you got to say, they're all winnable games. Now, while they're all pretty, pretty close to being winnable games, and usually you see. Teams and say they have ten close games. They may be a six and four, or a four and six, or a five and five. But Carolina's a close game. New England's a close game. Denver is a close game. Tennessee's a close game. I think Atlanta is the farthest game that they have in the first five games. Then Cincinnati, I think, will be a close game. I think Miami will be a close game at home. I think um, Philly will be a close game. New Orleans will be a close game on the road. And Miami will be a close game. And I think Jacksonville will be a close game too. So all these wins that I was giving these guys could easily be losses as well. And you could just pretty much flip that around. Yeah, so outside of that, guys, thank you for tuning in to this in-depth preseason preview power rankings episode covering the number 24-ranked team, the New York Football Jets. I'm not going to spoil who's number 23 like I did last episode. Yeah, so – Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Go over to patreon.com slash sports timelines for early access. We already recorded the number 12 ranked chargers. So just spoil that already because it's already done. Who cares? So go over to patreon.com slash sports timelines. Check that one out. It'll be uploaded soon. And uh, thank you guys for watching and peace out.